0: Going to get a noise floor. Good afternoon, everyone. This is the Shuffle Bus recording from the Foundry in downtown Lincoln. I'm your host, Jesse Bergman. And as always, I have my well rested co host, Neil Mulman, joining us today. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the top 10 ish cards for a blue deck. We'll get into that a little bit more later. Uh, I'm going to talk about my local Energon Invitational results, and then we'll uh, wrap up things. So it's kind of a shorter episode. Just got to thank Watsi on a little less content, so we're able to kind of condense things down this week.
1: Yeah, I've been on hiatus for a couple weeks here, but I'm glad to be back on the bus, and I hope you are too. All right, well, welcome back, Neil. Uh, glad to have you back after a couple of weeks gone. I can't say that I'm super excited to be home after vacation, but...
0: Well, you know, you did miss the potential hurricane hitting Florida, so that's not entirely terrible.
1: Yeah, l- luckily, my sister lives on uh, the Gulf Coast, and so she probably will just get rain and not destruction.
0: Well, that, that's always good, of course, of course.
1: And we hope that everybody down there is safe. And absolutely, if yeah, if you're
0: in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, it sounds like it might be taking a turn into those areas. We're we're all watching and take you know just praying for you guys and just stay safe. We'll see you at PAX then.
1: Lots of time to listen to our podcast.
0: Good news is you don't have to have internet connection. You just have to download it. Right. So yeah, so a couple of things and just of some brief news before we get started on today's episode. Number one, we are now available on all the major podcast providers. So you can get us us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So your preference is there for whichever place you want to go. We would love to get ratings from you because that helps us become relevant in searching terms. So if somebody were to search for Transformers Trading Card Game and we have ratings, then people find our show that way, which we hope to help new players in that process. And then finally, we have a Facebook group. So if you are wanting to interact with us and talk to us and maybe help us, you know, give us content feedback as well as just kind of let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about. I mean, if there's things that you want us to talk about,
1: send us lots of good Megatron decks. Cause I'm still way behind in this bet. You, you are really seriously going to lose this bet, man. Nope. You are. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to qualify and I'm going to play Megatron <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just to dig myself out of a hole. I will He's completely sacrifice tank, his entire yep.
0: final results at PAX. Completely just so, tank I, PAX, can make just me... so
1: that you have to wrap on the podcast,
0: man, this is how do I keep Neil from going to PAX?
1: <laughs> All right. We ride in the same bus, you can't. Yeah, I know,
0: right? Yeah, we're on that bus. All right, let's talk uh, blue cards, Neil. We did a couple episodes back. We did the top 10 orange cards. and I think we had a pretty definitive list and I think one that was pretty well uncontested.
1: Honestly, it was much easier than doing the blue
0: cards. It really was. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me and that probably is a testament just to how orange decks are operating today and, you know, just that there's a simple path for them. Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. Just the current meta and just the cards that we see played you know you just see a bunch of three ofs of orange cards in the orange decks and the blue decks like differ wildly from each other and there's just you know like some play inferno breath and some play all this this. but we'll we'll go into the specifics here real quick in our top 10 ish
0: yep it's (laughs) definitely top 10 ish (laughs) So to start, number ten is already going to get us off on the ish. Well, plan. let's
1: let's wait real quick. Let's talk okay. about the ones that didn't make the list that you I think we need first? to talk about. Yeah,
0: okay. okay, we can talk about those first because they're,
1: they're important to the game. And just like we did for orange, there are a few that like were just a little bit too narrow to put on the list of like general use top ten. Sure.
0: Yeah, and and that that's uh very fair. To start us on that, we had sturdy armor, reflex circuits, and covert armor. We we call these the armor sets. From Wave
1: Three, yep they're they're really good. I kind of like like these are real close to making the list. I we also have reinforced plating as an honorable mention here. Yep, we could probably just throw um, that
0: into this honorable
1: mention, right? right. Now. And I think that these three like rock paper scissors armors have kind of re- taken the place of reinforced plating. Mm-hmm. Like obviously reinforced plating is much more open and it defends against everything, but like the green pip is really what sets them apart. Absolutely, we'll talk about that later in the list some other cards too how even though this is a blue card list they're like on the list because of the green pip but the reinforced and those armors they're just they're good defensive cards i think the the actual list of top 10 has some more exciting stuff than those so they didn't really make the cut but these are cards that you should never feel bad about playing and
0: agreed and and they're because of the green pip you, they don't have to take full slots which is really a nice component right. for them i mean you can do a one of or two of in these for specific matchups they they you can tell that Watsi wanted these to be sideboard cards, you know, yeah. t- for specific matchups. But I I think that they're reasonably strong enough on their own to just be main deckable.
1: Absolutely. And, and the green pin makes that that for sure. Right? Yeah, and they Watsi is really afraid of just like the flat plus 2 defense, right? Yeah. Like they they're scared of that. Like I I don't think they should be, but I'm you know, they they are. And so we get these instead and they're pretty close. Like they're they're very good. They're very like you always have access to them. And like you said, they're the perfect sideboard card where you can easily just like get the plus two every time in some matchup So you side them in. That's right. So that's I, I think that's about all about those. They're good. Yeah. Don't and, feel and, bad about playing. Right. There.
0: And Reinforced Plating is a very solid contender here in this slot. Just we haven't talked much about it because we spent most of the time talking about the plus one defense. But that that tough two is right. really, really good. And it's
1: it's essentially two defense and it is just you know it's main decked in a lot of the yeah the
0: the biggest challenge with it now is that we got sparring gear right and even though sparring gear is an off-color pip we don't really care
1: and that's yeah the again the green pip comes into play there where you just don't have to run full copies of it and it's still very consistent to always draw right yep
0: i mean it's just it's just one of those things where i mean in the in the scope of things to be played you know another card that we didn't talk about that could maybe make this list is the the smoke cloak and it's kind of a very similar idea with the black pip and the blue pip on it. Right. You know it is smoke cloak technically better than reinforced plating. It, I think it varies by deck and what kind of deck you're playing, but potentially
1: sure. If if you care a lot about the black pip, then smoke cloak is good. It, but these all these cards are just like like not exciting enough to make our top ten. Correct. Yep. Yeah.
0: So so there's this is a this is a card the the next honorable mention that we're going to talk about is a card that is exciting but it's so narrow that i don't think you can put it on a generic top 10 list and that's gonna be the ion blaster of optimus prime right
1: this is just you know on par with the best upgrade in the game right like it it also happens to go on the best character in the game so it <laughs> doesn't, doesn't hurt and <laughs> yeah and we
0: got a second best version of him that seems pretty reasonable as a target now
1: right i i think you would run into people that will argue that the second best is the best now. I I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I still definitely. think Battlefield Legend is better. But Optimus Prime arguments aside, Ion Blaster is just like great. It does yeah. everything.
0: So for listeners that are maybe not familiar with this card, and and we didn't really break down the other three either, but for this one in particular, it's a blue pip card. It's an upgrade in a weapon. It can only be played on Optimus Prime, which is why it doesn't make our top ten list. But it has plus two attack and plus one defense. And so here's another defensive. Weapon, which is very rare in the game, and it also gives you good offensive power on a bot that already has really good offensive stats. I mean, Prime and really
1: good defensive stats. Yeah, like, right. The the four defense on the one side of Prime is just impenetrable. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so while we won't spend much more time on Ion Blaster, if you're playing Optimus Prime in a blue deck and you don't have Ion Blaster, you have yeah, better figure that out pretty quick.
1: This is this is some high level analysis right. here where Optimus Prime is good. And Optos Prime's gun is good. Pure protest.
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, the last one, there, there's two left here, but the we'll talk about one. And then I want to talk about the the second one a little bit differently. So the the one we're going to talk about here is Infiltrate. This is a wave three card as well. That's making the list as just barely missing out on the top ten.
1: Right. And it's, it's in some main decks. I think mostly it's a sideboard card. Obviously, it's just good against the aggressive orange decks. And it's really good against Peace or Tyranny.
0: Right. So so I, I don't have the card right in front of me, so I apologize, but I'm going to kind of try to pull it from memory. I can tell you the basic effect. It's it's a blue pip. It is a secret action. And it says, when your opponent plays an orange action, reveal this and cancel that secret action.
1: Yep, or just, sorry,
0: cancel that orange action.
1: Excuse me. Yep, when, it, when your opponent plays an orange action, it just negates it. It's, I mean... It's counterspell for orange action. Yeah, kind of. If you're a magic player, yeah, it's like that. I... It's very narrow to what it actually hits, but because of the nature of the game currently, it hits a lot of things that are important. So yeah, so so some of those
0: things that are really important to hit: reckless charge. It's really good for hitting supercharge. Really good for hitting. I'm trying to think of some other really key ones. Peace or tyranny obviously is a huge right. one. Right,
1: peace or tyranny is the big one because so many of the decks going into Gen Con were peace or tyranny decks with the lionizer, and it just so you play it like to stop the peace or tyranny, but it has the added bonus of also like just. Stopping their plus four attack, plus three bold right. kind of stuff. Yep, and it it's just good. Like it this is the definitive sideboard card, right? Like
0: hundred percent. Yeah, we we talked about all of these cards that are kind of not made the top ten as being really good sideboard cards in blue decks. So I mean, here you go. We're talking about kind of specific matchups and where these cards may be important in your sideboard if you have a poor matchup against somebody. This might be a way to offset that a little bit. So the last one is one that's a little interesting to me, but I, I definitely understand why it can't make our top ten. But let's I maybe it's not as obvious to maybe some other listeners. And so I think we should talk about that a little bit. And that is brainstorm. Brainstorm is a blue pip action that says when you play this, you may play another action and then another action.
1: Yeah, it's play an action, then play another action. Yeah. It like this is a card that I wish made the top ten list, because this is exactly the kind of things that I like to be doing, which is just tons of dirtling. But it's cool it's powerful it it's an effect that like only exists on four cards in the game or something right to get that extra action and it's not currently doing a lot in the game so we didn't put on a top 10 list but it's a card that like could easily just skyrocket to be insane like when it was when the swap parts deck was a deck it was in a very important part of that right and obviously that deck was too good it wasn't too good because of brainstorm necessarily, but brainstorm is one of the reasons that it worked. Right. And, you know, if you want to jump into stuff before they get banned in the future, if something like that comes up, brainstorm is like a key component to that kind of thing. It just does powerful stuff. It breaks a game. Like,
0: yeah, I I agree. And I think, you know, I've played a lot of brainstorm. I, I want to be very clear about it. I've tested it a lot. What brainstorm is really good at is it's really good at having a blowout turn yeah for sure but it's if that blowout turn doesn't end the game it also leaves you really behind
1: right you you have to be able to accumulate a lot of resources to effectively like spend three cards that way but you get to do a bunch of stuff all at once that's right yeah so and, i mean
0: so this is why i think it's it's a good card when you're playing a blue deck to test I mean, and if you have the right draw engine components in place you know, I, I've i played it sometimes in like my Dreadwing decks because I'll <clears throat> be running databanks and when you get double databank on Dreadwing and you're drawing three cards a turn, it doesn't feel so bad to play three cards in one turn either because you kind of replenish your hand on the next turn. But if you don't have a good draw engine built into your deck plan, then at the end of the day, Brainstorm leaves you top decking for probably the rest of the
1: game. Right. It just, it just uses up all your gas, but it's, it's just powerful. It's interesting. I... I wish that we were at a meta state where it was like a staple in every deck. And that was the kind of thing that we're doing. Maybe we will be the, the one spoiled hot rod kind of has that similar play extra actions kind of effect. Right. So maybe if there, if that's good, like that's a theme that they want to make. I hope so. And I I think this is a card
0: that will grow in power as the game, the game's card pool expands. I think brainstorm will become more relevant, but at this particular moment in September of 2019, it's not quite there in our books yet. Yep. Let's jump into the actual top 10 ish list now, Neil.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, number 10 is two cards. So, here's where we're already starting our yep. ish, ish ish is smelt slash vaporize. And let's talk about these two because, man, they are so similar. And for our listeners. And yet, so different. <laughs> and yet, and yet, so different. And so, for our listeners, smelt is a blue pip and a green pip. And it's an action, and it just says your opponent may scrap an upgrade. Or Where your opponent they? scraps an upgrade, not me. Right.
1: They choose one and, and scrap it. Yep. And this card, if you just read the text of it, is much worse than Vaporize. Yep. Because Vaporize is a single blue pip and it scraps an upgrade of your choice. Right. So, you get to pick their Probably best one. choose. Right. Whereas your opponent, unless something crazy is going on, they're going to pick their worst one every time. But the green pip really elevates this. And it's similar to the thing we were talking about with the Rockbearer, armor. Armors. Like, having the green pip is just so important to a card being good in this game because you see so many more cards in your battle flips than you could ever draw. Correct. It just, it just is. So having that availability there gives it a ton of utility. You only have to play one. And honestly, there's a lot of times where like your opponent just has one upgrade and you get it mm-hmm. or they have two upgrades. And so you don't get their best one, but you're still like trading a card for a card on a turn where you don't have a good action to play. But it has that upside of, of just hitting when they only have one it's a really cool card. It, it's like an interesting card. It's, it is. It's way more interesting than Ramix Beater or vaporize. And to be
0: honest, in, in, in a world where orange metas matter, which is right now, and most of their upgrades are sacrifice upgrades like power punches and grenade launchers. Right. Then you probably are looking at, you know, this smelt hitting something of meaning like a force field because they're probably only sticking one upgrade in most cases. Right.
1: When, when you're, when you're playing as a grenade launcher deck, especially, especially grenade launchers, just like plus four attack action almost. Yeah, it's just a, another uh, way to get a plus four attack. Because it goes away, action, right. so they they don't build up a big pool to smelt from. And you know, it's if you're playing blue mirrors, then the smelt is much worse because they end up having like a couple of covert armors and a rare enforced plating and all this stuff, and like you just get their worst one. They'll they'll build up ones that stick, but the aggressive decks don't. Right. So smell is. It's just good because it's available all the time. Vaporize is a better card than Smelt. Yep. So um, let's
0: explain Vaporize just because I know we kind of touched on it, but I just want to make sure our listeners understand it. It's a blue pip. It's an action. And it just says scrap an upgrade uh, on your one of your opponent's characters. And so you get to target. And that that's what we were talking about before. Where Smelt is the opponent chooses, Vaporize is you get to target. It makes it significantly more advantageous because it also Vaporize gives you the ability to hit you know, a, a pesky utility, right? Which some some of these utilities can be really, really rough.
1: Right. If we're talking about cards that are currently played that just hit your opponent's upgrades, like most of them are specific to the type and most of them are specific to weapon or armor. So right. like you were talking about, the, the utilities are important right now, specifically like Gyro Blaster is a big one.
0: Matrix that, on some
1: of the decks. Yeah. Uh, not that I think that your blue deck probably cares very much about Gyro Blaster, but... You know, it's just, it it just good to be able to though. hit the best thing. Like, if they have some crappy, like, like a sparring gear or whatever to protect their weaponizer, you can still vaporize the weaponizer. You can't smelt it in that case. So, vaporize has its place. It should be played. I don't yeah. know if you should play three of them. Like, that seems aggressive. Maybe you sideboard them, but...
0: Yeah, I I tend to, when I'm building a blue deck, I tend to start off with a main of two vaporize, one smelt. Like, that's right. my some, removal Some split suite. like that. Yeah, some yeah. split... I, I like that split better, so we won't spend too much more time on it. Obviously, upgrade removal is very key to this
1: game, and, and especially now,
0: yeah, especially now. I mean, force fields are just they're game deciders. Force fields, are,
1: force fields are kind of back again, and also like just having the weaponizers as bots that are in the meta right now. It's become it, a bigger it, deal. It's
0: it's so it's so prevalent that I think bashing shields starting to become a staple back again in blue decks because of the green pip and being able to remove armor on Japan. And, and I, I think that's good. I think that's fine. That's fine that this game has that kind of interaction in the meta. So let's move on to number nine. Number nine is probably going to surprise a few people, but I think it's your and my dark horse for blue cards right now that doesn't get a lot of play, but I think could have a drastic impact on game outcomes for blue decks. It's... And that's Disruptive Entrance. So Disruptive Entrance is a blue pip. No extra pips on this card. It's an action. But it says look at your opponent's hand and scrap just an action. Action. And and scrap an action from it. Now we see a lot of blue decks trying to play Espionage. right? And Espionage is because it has the green pip and it's white. So it's reasonably good. But Disruptive Entrance is the only way we can hit Ice Still Function. And Espionage is calling out colors. Which in in a min-max meta where you're talking about you know, going up against a bug deck or four white cars deck, the car C deck that Kevin, you know, talked to us about on last episode, then you get into a situation where, you know, disruptive entrance just hits more powerful targets more consistently. And you can look at the hand and make the best decision. And, And of course, looking at hand is good known information. So because I haven't seen anybody doing it yet, but because wizards allows us to take notes, I think it's only a matter of time for blue control players to start really monitoring hands and and using that to their advantage to try to win games
1: yeah i this card is on the list i i just think it's a very good card this is like you said probably the one that will surprise the most people but i'm also pretty high on this card right now espionage is like on the downturn i think because we're not in the combiner only meta anymore where you like had to be able to draw the espionage to hit their enigma you know, there's still like aerial bots out there, but that's about it. There's like I didn't see any sentinels recently or anything like that. But so Disruptive Entrance, obviously Espionage shouldn't be on the blue pip list. Disruptive entrance should be. I I think that if you guys are gonna come back at us with some controversial stuff, this is the one. But I really like this card. I think it's very good. I think that it it's doing the kind of thing that the blue decks like need to be doing right now. Similar to like Infiltrate where you are just Trying to turn off their game plan because your game plan is like slow and you need to just buy that time and a lot of the actions that you can play besides infiltrate and battlefield report don't affect you on defense and this is one of the ways that you can do that.
0: Absolutely. All right. So not much more to say about Disruptive Entrance. Let us know. I mean, you know, jump on the Facebook group and let us know what you think. Do you think we're just off our rockers about Disruptive Entrance? Maybe you've played it a ton and have some different insight beyond what Neil and I have experienced so far. But I think this is a secret card that, that isn't so secret, but people aren't really, they're kind of overlooking it for maybe some flashier stuff in lists or even potentially uh, some orange cards, to be quite honest, in blue lists. All right, so let's jump into number eight. I don't think this one's going to surprise many people. They might think it should be higher on the blue card list, but this is going to be leap into battle. And this is a blue pip action, and it says target character gets plus three attack until end of turn.
1: Yep, one of your characters gets plus three attack. It's just like the best well arguably the best blue pump spell uh if you look at our list as we continue here you'll see that it's lower than some of those ones but it's the biggest number and it's great in the battlefield legend decks that's you know where it shines the most i think just because he can play it on himself and attack for a billion a million plus three yeah not that you know he attacks for a million so the three is kind of like meh but he's it's just a good card it's a solid card it's a card that, like, if you're playing draft or sealed, you should always take. Like, it's good in the orange deck. It's good in Absolutely. the blue deck. It's yeah. If you're drafting you know,
0: wave one packs, you and you see leap of uh, leap into battle come across your your pack list. Um, yeah,
1: there's just, just very few cards don't, you take over it. Don't, but don't. Yeah, I mean, it's there's not a lot to say about this. I pick grenade
0: launcher over, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, that has a bigger number on yeah. it, <laughs> but. Yeah, there's not a lot to say. It's just a good card. I, I don't think this one's going to surprise anybody. Maybe no. the maybe way down the list, like it is right now, kind of surprised people. But it's when we talk about the next one, I'll talk a little more about it. So I don't. Right. To...
0: So number seven is uh, another ish card, and this is heavy-handed slash. The bigger they are. Now, obviously, I think for most people that know the game, they'll know that this was a pretty pretty easy to call these a slash because they're essentially the same. Except the opposite, well,
1: <laughs> right? So they're they're opposites, but they obviously function in a similar space. The best one being the bigger they are, and and this is where like I think leap in the battle is probably better than heavy handed, but it's not better than the bigger they are. Heavy handed, the bigger they are, have smaller numbers, but it's really the pierce that that gets you there. That's right. The bigger they are, does it does what the what you want to do with your guys because. A lot of the, even the orange decks now are really wide. Right. So you just have like these little guys. If you're playing against other bunches of little guys, then the plus two is, you know, just a plus two or whatever. Guys that those decks have problems with are like the Optimus, where he has three or four defense or whatever. Or you're playing against a blue mirror, and you run to these five, six defense after battle. Or a or combiner whatever.
0: that's combined. and
1: yeah just, yeah, just these big numbers. And you want to get value out of your small guys. And the bigger they are, it does that. It's like that four guaranteed damage is really good.
0: Yeah, I have a janky cars list that I run the bigger they are in because there's nothing more satisfactory than slapping a nobles blaster on Fire Drive and then bigger they are in him and he turns into seven attack pierce six. And Fire Drive just doing six guaranteed damage is not what somebody ever expects.
1: Right. The the Pierce is just really good. And yeah. a lot like Leaping the battle. there's not a lot to say about these. You know, if you're playing Battlefield legend or whatever, then heavy handed is better because he's gonna be bigger than everybody, unless you're attacking a shockwave. Well, you know, but, it's
0: interesting because I've played a lot of three white prime, and you almost want the bigger they are in that deck because you want more meaningful attacks from Hot Rod and Flame Ward.
1: Absolutely. That, yeah. And and I think that's hundred percent correct. If in most cases you always want your little guys to get the pierce instead of your big guys, because when prime attacks He's attacking for a million, million anyways, and right. a million plus two is just a million plus two. It's not like it cares about their defense. Right. So, you know, if you're playing, like, double primes, like a two big guys deck, then Absolutely. heavy-handed is yeah, where you want to if you're you playing be, a two but,
0: wide, like double shockwave, something like that, then, yeah, I think you're heavy-handed in that scenario. And
1: It's kind of, you know, that that argument is kind of meaningless. Like, I I think that the correct order of these three is bigger they are, leaving the battle heavy-handed as, like, their power level. So, they kind of all fall into this same gap on our list right
0: yeah it was it was i mean we could have it was synonymous in their flipping one could have been seven one could have been yeah eight. all right so number six probably not going to surprise a lot of people maybe they'll think it should be higher but uh that's going to be scoundrels blaster and nobles blaster they're ish at cards again yep these cards are basically if you're an all if you're playing Decepticons you're playing Scoundrels Blaster if you're playing Autobots you're playing Nobles Blaster they're basically the same they're upgrade weapons they've got a blue and a green pip on them and they're the only playable on Autobots or Decepticons respectfully depending on which one and then it's plus two attack and then they get pierced two when attacking a bot of the opposite faction so. When you're when you're playing Scoundrels Blaster and you're attacking Autobots, it's Pierce two. When you're playing Nobles Blaster and you're attacking Decepticons, it's Pierce two. These these are basically the same card. They're, yeah,
1: they're they're really good. I, I mean, they're they're very similar, like you said. It's just a good upgrade. It's like a good weapon. Plus two attack on a weapon is fine, and the Pierce you get a lot of the time.
0: What makes them really good though is that green pip.
1: Right, and that yeah, the just like the other cards we were talking about, smelting those armors like. The green pip is what makes this so powerful because you just you just always have it. You just don't have to work at it. You don't have to play three copies. You just you just always have this card. It's always going to make your guys better. And the like,
0: Spy Patrol Laserbeak loves Scoundrels Blasters.
1: Yeah, there's because he's just
0: four attack, Pierce four at that point. Yeah.
1: Every 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 five star bot just loves Scoundrels Blaster. <laughs> like that's true. It's I don't know. It's it's just they're really good. They see a lot of play. I I mean this is a card that like we've been still doing a lot of limited and it's just like easily first pickable every time. It's
0: crazy and limited. Yeah. And it's it's so good because you're just having a hard time finding reasonable weapons in a lot of those sets. And these just make reasonable weapons for you.
1: Right. Primary laser is a good card in limited. So this card is obviously way better than primary laser. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, they're good. There's there's not a lot to say right. here.
0: Okay, so this one, this, this ish is going to be the first time we've had an ish that's not like a synonymous or similar style of card. So number five for us is going to be Marksmanship and Armed Hovercraft. And maybe people are going to call us out as copying out and not giving each one of these its own separate yeah. slot. But we think they're doing very similar well things in, in blue decks right now.
1: So this is something that is kind of like against our theory that these cards should all be generics. Where you have to be playing range guys, but honestly, like a bunch of the good guys in the game are ranged anyway, like I mean, there's
0: definitely a significant advantage in in some of the range bot choices right now outside yeah. of
1: cars and, bugs. and and this is one of the reasons is these these two cards because marksmanship is just a great card. like any of the direct damage suite of plasma burst or one shall sand one shall fall maybe bolt of lightning though that's like a stretching yeah, it but it's tough. like like these cards like zap even
0: yeah they're uh, all just heavy landing as well also on the blue side it's like the zap version of
1: blue yeah
0: came out of the destructive, uh construct construct concept yeah. like
1: we've we've just proven that they're all good like the potential to have like a two kill turn or just like snipe an extra damage on a scrapnel or whatever like all the direct damage things are good Go, go ask Vector Sigma how they feel about yeah, direct right. damage and don't. They'll talk to you for a really long time, but it's good. It's just a good card. It's a good action. It does what the blue decks want to do where it has a blue pip so you can flip it for good defense and it like uses your action slot in a very positive way because a lot of times if you're playing like leap into battle or whatever, it seems like leap into battle should do more damage than marksmanship. It really doesn't because you're just like attacking with some pitily defensive guy that's not going to attack for very much. And you have to attack what they offer you. Right. Whereas the marksmanship, you can just point at somebody.
0: Well, and and to be fair, like here's what I like about this combination. I mean, let's let's talk about it for just a second. I don't wanna make sure we the listeners know what the cards are. So marksmanship is a blue pip action card that uh, says play only if you have a ranged character, and then it says do two damage to an opponent's character in bot mode. And then Armed Hovercraft is a blue pip upgrade weapon, and it says play only on a ranged character. Do one damage to all of your opponent's characters. But it also has a built-in plus one attack, which is you, a reasonable... You can play it on
1: anything. Oh, it just, it that's just right. only does one damage to everything if you put it if on a ranged If you play range, it on
0: right? a ranged character. You're right. I, I almost forget that that's a requirement. Because right, I only, you just don't do you it. You never yet. do it, right? You're never going to play a plus one upgrade just for plus one upgrade. Like, there's always... There should always, I shouldn't say never, but right. never, never say never. Somebody's
1: going to join the Facebook group and be like, I killed I, this spot exactly because, because of my of plus my, one well, attack from my arm <laughs> I'm going to get called good, out. Good or, for you guys. Yeah, like, yeah, right. But Jesse's right. Like you just never do it on not a range guy. Right. Most of the decks that it's in are just all range guys anyway. So you, it'll always, always trigger. Always works. But it has the same function as, as markmanship or any of the direct damage things where like you just. You get to point it at something that you wouldn't normally get to point it at. It's really good against Scrapnel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep saying things are good against Scrapnel because I think Scrapnel is very good. Yep. And Bugs keeps winning all the Invitationals I hear about. Um,
0: uh, we'll get into that.
1: These cards, while they're somewhat more narrow than the cards we've had on the list up to this point, a lot of the good characters in the game are ranged. These are good cards. If you have ranged characters, Battlefield Legend is ranged. <laughs>
0: And, and just to add to point, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a replacement for one shall stand, one shall fall. I want to be very clear about that. But this, this card combination, marksmanship, armed hovercraft, on a given turn, you could take your entire turn to play these two cards, and you have the ability potentially to direct three damage at something. So if something's within three damage of dying, this is a, this is an out to killing something that you wouldn't have to attack again, and that's a super powerful thing for blue to be doing.
1: Yeah, it's it's just really good. Yep. They're they're both really good.
0: Yep. All right, so let's move on to number four. Number four, I think some of our listeners will know from our our discussion that this is probably not a surprise where we put it, but I think for new listeners who are catching this episode, they might wonder why this isn't ranked higher, as in should this have been the number one or number two card for blue. Uh, but it's Energon Axe. And for those listeners that are listening, Energon Axe is a blue pip. It's an upgrade weapon. It has plus three attack can only be played on a bot that has already been damaged, and it has Pierce 2 built into it as well. So let's talk about why Energon Axe doesn't break into even the top three blue battle cards, because I think that's maybe where some people are going to be surprised by this.
1: It's just kind of hard to play. Like, the card is really good. Yeah, I mean, it's... (laughs) It's it's a plus three
0: upgrade, which there are very few of in this game. The only other plus three upgrade that I can think of outside of erratic lightning is the EM24 from wave three, which has a, is pip-less. and a uh, static laser. Oh yeah. Yeah. Static laser. Yeah. I, I like that, that card always, but, I always forget about but that. But
1: like, those are all very different cards than Energon X, right? Like Energon X has a blue pip to start, which is, you know, from the first set, they had the thing where they just, they wanted like the attack cards to have blue pips. And the defense cards have them orange pips because they're like, this is tricky and we're going to mess over his head. Right. That's not what anybody wants. But in this case, it's a little different because the blue decks don't care as much about their cards being defensive and having blue pips because they want to be able to win. Right. Like not winning the game is not the same as winning the game. We talked about that as well. What? I, I, I think that, that was episode Sorry. one. Sorry. Nobody quote that one. That was wrong. Not losing the game is not the same as winning the game. There he is. We're gonna put that on a T-shirt. You can buy it at our store. Uh, <laughs> All right, I don't know about making t Not winning the game is, is, is not the same as nah, losing the game. Don't listen to what I say. I'm just do what I so, say, not as I do. <laughs> so, so they have to find a way to win the game, right? And they're still gonna flip it for defense with the blue pip. That's fine, but they want to be able to win, so they have to be able to attack. And this right. is a card that gives them attack. It's good. It's it's similar to how scoundrels and nobles work it's a little bit bigger than they are it's a little, it's a little bit harder to play than they are but it's it's very powerful so
0: so a couple of things about energon ax from an experienced blue player standpoint one thing that i think is very important to understand i very rarely play three of these any longer because as neil said the last you don't really want it in your opening hand you you definitely don't want it in your opening hand because it can be very difficult then to play and it's just a dead card for your opening hand number 2 for me personally is you don't want to like in in a blue mirror matchup where you're playing armed hovercrafts you don't want to turn your your opponent's energy on axes on either so like there's this this weird thing that goes on here where how, how do you like I I always struggle with like how to play armed hovercraft against blue because energy on axe is a really good counter to it so if your opponent's playing armed hovercraft that might be a case for where you would want to have an extra energy on axe or two in your sideboard specifically for those matchups, but that really is just a meta call,
1: right? It's the the thing about it is is that when it was just wave one, you just like always slam three, three of these, them. right? Because it's it's just really good. But now that we have more cards in the pool, there's other cards that function similarly to it. The the blasters we talked about earlier are one option. We're going to talk about another one as we go up the list here, right. and. So you don't have to play three. You, you, that slot of like blue pip effective weapon is becoming more crowded. So Energon Axe is good. I don't, I personally don't think it's the best one of the ones that we're going to talk about. Right. But it is, it is very good. Like it's just, it's just a good upgrade. Again, right. if you're, if you're playing limited, just like windmill slam this into your pile and play Correct. against your opponent. And the and beat Pierce them. 2,
0: the Pierce 2 is nice, but it is very, just don't forget it has Pierce 2. I see that happen a lot in play where you play your Energon Axe and you swing for seven, your opponent's playing blue and they block you know, six of it and they take one. And you got to remember that this thing has pierce two on it. So it's important. It does
1: just have like a bunch of text on it.
0: <laughs> right. And it's really easy to forget, right? Because it doesn't come up that often in games. It's more of a corner case, but it does matter when it does come up. So just remember it has pierce. Don't forget your pierce on this card when – it matters. All right, so let's move on to number three. Number three is Battlefield Report. Now, Battlefield Report is a blue icon. It's a secret action. It says, when you defend... Yep. When one of your
1: characters defends... When one of your
0: characters defends, reveal this card, draw two cards, and then put one card back on top of your deck.
1: Thank Watsy Jesus for giving us an incoming transmission that works the way we want it to work. Absolutely. Like, like, Incoming Transmission is a great card and then you just can never block with it. Everybody's playing Security Console, which is a fine card. Don't, I would not knock a Security Console, but this this is the card that we wanted. It has a blue pip, it like stacks your defense so you can put your double blues back on top when they attack. Like It's this, doing what
0: you want to be doing.
1: Man, I, I like wish that this was number one on the list. This is just a card that I love. It's and, just so versatile, and just it's all you always feel good doing it. You never yep. feel bad about drawing this card. It's
0: can we just say re- rest in peace, pep talk?
1: <laughs> like, I mean, I, really. there's still like a place for pep talk. Mostly, like pep talk is better to hit off battlefield legend. <laughs> That's true.
0: That is, that that is one because okay fine. Battlefield legend still wants it's, to play
1: pep talk. It's better to hit off. Anticipation engine. (laughs) Mm, Sure, I don't. I don't even know if that's better. Yeah, but it's just. It's really good. It's. Yep. This is a card that is the quintessential like generic blue card. Like
0: wind windmill slam three of these and go. Yeah. Okay, so we're not going to spend much more time on battlefield report just because the 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 play seems pretty obvious. You're you're going to draw blue cards. You're going to. Put your best blue cards or maybe a white if you don't have a good blue card back on top and then spin it up, you know, and and flip as many blues on defense as possible from it. So it's good. Let's go to number two. This is the one that I think maybe some players will also kind of question why we call it number two versus, you know, Energon Axe being in top three. But this is another upgrade. It's a blue pip. It's an upgrade weapon and it's laser cutlass.
1: Man, if this isn't the best card from Wave Three, I don't know what is. I,
0: I agree. I mean, Wave Three to me had some some good cards, but but for the bulk of the set I felt like it was pretty lackluster.
1: I mean, we're like we're in a meadow where this card is like not in all the super orange lists, which is fine. It's not an orange card, but man, this card is powerful. It's super powerful.
0: So it's it's a plus one attack and before you go, well, wait a minute, guys, like plus one attack, why does that matter? Like, plus one attack scene, you just got to tell me you're never going to play Armed Powercraft for plus one attack. And you're right, but I'm going to play Laser Cutlass for plus one attack. I'm going to do that because it has Pierce three.
1: Yep. It also has the caveat that you can only play it on seven stars or fewer. That's true. But this is, like we were talking about bigger they are, and a little bit the Blasters. The Your small guys are the ones that we care about piercing. They're not going to beat the defense anyway, but... Like, three damage is three damage, man. And, like, it's additive. So, if you already have pierce from another source, then, like, five damage is five damage. Like, it absolutely adds up. Like, this the spy patrol deck just eats these up. Like, you get, like, multiple attacks with the the cutlass. And
0: And, yeah, area bots has, I can't remember which bot it is, but the one that when you attack, if you deal damage, you can scrap an upgrade. Like, that's super strong. Like, that's like, yeah, it just does.
1: It does. Everything those like wide blue decks want. It's yep. it is just it's really good per- and perfect addition for those decks to make them strong. Right, and the we were talking about how hard it is to play energon axe. You know, this seems like it's very restrictive because you only play it on little guys. But this is a weapon that only little guys want anyway. Yep, and you're already playing little guys. Like, although
0: I will say, when when you combine superion with a laser cutlass on the field, Superion turning into seven attack pierce six is no joke either. That's that's kind of a funny little side note. I I, I mean, it's just it's yeah, just one of those things.
1: Superion is a weird thing, but I <laughs> like, even like
0: uh, if you do the bigger they are on him, he, he turns into like this nine attack Pierce ten. So he's just like right. his, doing nine damage. His
1: big numbers are like big enough that I don't know how much you care about that. But I guess if you're playing like the blue mirror. It's really good. It, it is really know. good it, against
0: dirtle decks. that are like, like trying to just hold you
1: off. Laser Cutlass is I don't know this this is. Like I said, this has to be the best card from Wave 3. I, like Maybe like Lionizer or Fire Drive is up there, but if yeah. we're just talking battle cards, I don't know. Yeah, in battle
0: card land, I think, I think it's got to be really, really close. All right, so the last card will be probably no surprise to our listeners because we're talking about the same double blue pip card. We talked about our number one orange card was a double orange card. I don't think anybody that plays this game with any sort of substantial amount of time invested in it will dispute this as being the number one blue card right
1: so i I will take one minute here just like in the orange card episode and talk about handheld blaster Mm -hmm. we didn't put handheld blaster on the list the same way we didn't put improvised shield on the list obviously this card's great and you should be playing in your blue decks just for the pips but that's all you're playing it for that's it and like we talked about before Watsy is now scared of double pip cards they will only print double pip cards with a star now and so, obviously, Improvised Shield and Handheld Blaster both are off their charts of okay to print now. So, it's a card you should be playing. We just didn't put it on a list because it's, like, too obvious. And all of those things I just said are true about our number one.
0: Yep. So, back to security checkpoint. <laughs> right. Ta-da! Number one card. Probably not a surprise. So, it's an action. Just says, each player reveals their hands and scraps all upgrades from it.
1: Man, so on top of all those things I just said, all those brilliant things I just said, my brilliant analysis of this <laughs> is that this card is a blowout.
0: I told you he's well-rested.
1: Yeah. I, I spent two weeks on vacation just thinking about Security Console.
0: Uh, well, oh, you didn't get the old card right. Your Security Console oh. is a whole other card. Sorry you thought about Security Console I for didn't. two weeks. I didn't think about
1: transporters at all. I was on vacation. You were texting me about your tournament, and I was like, nah <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this card is a huge blowout like it has the potential to just like six for one your opponent or whatever. obviously right. that's an extreme case but like even if you two for one them there's not a lot of two for ones in this game and you you just like reveal your hand of one action and they reveal their hand of action plus two upgrades and you get them yep. like and that's like that's like the base level of it. That's even right. even if you discard two cards to get their two cards, it's, it's still who cares? Yeah, like, right. the, man, this card is especially against
0: good. orange decks because I mean, let's face it, their upgrades are going to be better. You know, they're they're going to have more impact on finishing the game faster. So this is a game. This is a card that can really turn the corner for you. Do not be scared to play it. Do not be scared to lose your own upgrade. And if, if you've got an upgrade that you absolutely can't lose, then play your upgrade first and then security checkpoint. Totally right. fine.
1: It, it has so much... Like, it's it's written as it's symmetrical, but it's just not because you control when you play it. Right. So it's super good. You should already be just be playing them for the pips, but it also has a super powerful effect. Yep. It's just, you know, we have Peace of Tyranny at number one on our other list. Right. And same thing is true. Just double pips, super powerful effect. Like, right. like think about like... EMP wave, right? As a card, right? Like as double pips. I think that like EMP wave's text is worse than Security Checkpoint by,
0: by a long shot,
1: and it has a star. Yeah, like just I don't even know. Like <laughs> if you're not playing Security Checkpoint, like I I don't know what's wrong with you. Wait this is, this is directed directly at Estakuma because in one of his YouTube videos for coverage of some tournament. I can't I remember what it was. Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> He he just he was like doing coverage of his own games. And he's like, "Where's my security checkpoints? Where's my security checkpoints?" <laughs> and, yeah. and it turns out he just forgot. We put him in. So, Stefan, you're a great player. I just found that humorous. I'm sorry to poke fun, but yeah, I love no. your I love your content. Yep. yep. But that all right. You should just be playing three checkpoints. So, so should, now
0: <laughs> now you're all ready to go out and build
1: top ten blue decks. Let's go. Yeah, and <laughs> then you can lose to the top fifty orange decks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't tell anybody that. We got to give them hope. Come on.
1: And then, and then you lose the, like. It's like, like top twenty-five orange decks, top ten mixed decks, then all the blue decks. I don't know. Yeah, I, it,
0: that we'll, we'll get into that. So let's let's go ahead and and segue here. I think that's a good segue. We had our local energon invitational while you were on vacation. Yep. Which uh, you know, as you like to affectionately say, gave me the best shot at winning, and I still didn't win. Uh, spoiler alert. But it, it, you know, it was it was a fun experience. We got to meet a lot of great people. We had seven players. Unfortunately, we only had two local players. We normally have six local players in our in our group. But you were gone, right? Matt, who's also another yep. local our player, good, was gone. Our good friend Matt Greenleaf and then was Alan, gone. Alan, who normally, I'm sorry, we had three. I forgot if Kevin did come. I, I uh, we had three local players. So the other, and then Alan was not able to get off work for it. So unfortunately, we ended up in a situation where. Half of the local Lincoln crew was only able to play on our invitational day. And the remaining four players that came all traveled in from Omaha, which was great. I'm super happy to meet them. Like Mike was super awesome. I uh, met a bunch of the guys. Uh, Brendan was super cool. One of the guys that came, I can't think of his name right now. You'll have to forgive me. It's on our Facebook page, the the people that all played. But he uh, had just picked up the game three weeks prior. So that's really exciting to see a new player coming into the game and and playing at a tournament level. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about seven players at an Energon Invitational. Because I'll I'll explain what I played first. Let me me come out and say what I played first. And then we'll start talking about some of the, the weird things about Energon Invitations. Number one... I played blaster
1: Blaster last week
0: Drive. I love this deck by the way Vince at vector Sigma he played it at Gen Con I saw and I went this is the kind of if I'm gonna play an orange deck this is the kind of orange deck I want to play because I am not a big fan of playing bugs I feel very almost bored playing that deck when I play it and I just didn't want to go play in a tournament and play with something that wasn't having fun with just just for the sake of like winning and i've played a lot of cars i like cars and i i could have built the four wide deck i'm not sure i still want to pack crack my san diego comic-con pack (laughs) to play it and especially at a local tournament right
1: you know you just get these images in your mind of you like lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills and
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're you're not wrong and and some of this comes from my past magic experience because i was an alpha magic player and i sold um more than one black lotus alpha edition that i wish i still had back and so some of some of it says like okay i should just hold on to this pack unopened never open it and even if they reprint it it's still going to be just fine
1: right i mean all the cards in it are still extremely valuable right now like the cliff jumper specifically is very expensive but and we're not condoning anybody like no. Whether you should or shouldn't open your Comic Con pack, please do what you want with your own. Like, yeah, it's there's, in there's, cards. There's no like speculation that this game will last twenty years like Magic, and then we'll have forty thousand dollars in our right, pocket. But, sure. but it is a collector's item, and it's something that you know if it feels if it feels special to you to have it. Like, I I know that it was a big deal to get it when we did like. You shouldn't feel obligated to open it just to win an energy rotation, especially yeah. when you show up at a hobby town in, like, Nebraska, and there's six other people there.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, that was my big decision point on not playing the Car C deck. I, I'm, I mean, I've proxied the Car C deck. I've played it a number of times. It's a fun deck, but I, I just actually enjoyed playing Blaster. And it, to be clear, Blaster kind of plays on a similar pattern to to the Car C deck.
1: Right. It's it's a four wide. It's a four wide deck.
0: deck. It doesn't get the the fifth and sixth attack before the wheel because you don't have the untap effects but it does some other things that are pretty tricky
1: ramhorn is sometimes close to like two attacks (laughs) he is the all-star mvp of the world
0: of transformers right now it is insane how good (laughs) he
1: is well (laughs) i'm
0: not kidding you don't know how many times i watched my opponent go erratic lightning reckless charge going for the smash on ramhorn
1: force field Right. Did they read him? Yeah, they read him. <laughs> they just... You don't have a
0: choice, right? Like, you, you have to... Some,
1: right. You you have to threaten to kill him, because if you don't, then they're just not going to play the force field. Right. But the the deck is cool, right? Like, yeah. if you want a full breakdown of, of Vector's version, they have a great deck tech yep. of it on their content.
0: And I, I'll just go into some of my changes. In my testing, and, and I'm sure that Scott and, and Vector would probably come back on this episode and say, you're not thinking about it correctly... But in my testing, I felt like I was killing myself too quickly and giving my opponents the opportunity to win sooner in testing. And I wanted to make them earn their win a little bit more, so I pulled the Static Laser of Ironhide out. That's all I did to the Vector deck, and I put Power Punches in its place.
1: Right, and and that's a very similar change. The Power Punch is usually worth plus three, sometimes worth plus four, sometimes worth plus two, but it's usually three and uh it doesn't damage you you just don't have the opportunity for the second attack with plus three like that static laser right but it's i don't know i I just i
0: just was making that decision solely off of our playtesting experience personally and and for those players that are interested in knowing whether or not the blaster deck is good i will tell you it's a coin flip with bugs it is literally flip a coin somebody's going to win that game 50 50. there is nobody has a distinct advantage it's just a matter of what cards get played in that particular game as to whether or not you're going to win or lose. So let's talk about my matchups and what I saw, and then we'll we'll go from there. So my very first round, I played against a Wave One Inferno, the Fire Truck. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> He's really good in a Battle Master meta because when he flips to his bot side or it's all side, one of the two, I don't remember which one it is now. He removes a weapon.
1: Uh, yeah, it bounces. It returns their hand. Yeah, but the Battle Master just, just die. Co- they
0: just die. So like what a what an interesting meta card that I'm not sure a lot of people are thinking about, but and he's got reasonably good stats
1: so this is a card that my only experience with was in like our very first draft, yeah. And man, was he good. Yeah. He's got big numbers on him. He's I, huge number. I don't think that he's like good for constructed. I I mean, maybe. I,
0: I, I don't know if he's good in the too tall because this was an Optimus Prime Battlefield Legend Inferno deck. So this was like a two tall truck deck. And, you know, credits to my opponent. He played it very well. Scott played it very, very well. He's a local player. Scott and I have played a lot of games together. So I kind of know Scott probably better from just play pattern perspective. However, Blaster eats up two wide
1: decks. It just eats it up. Yeah, all the four-eyed decks do. Yeah,
0: but this this deck is really good at it because I can dictate where your two attacks have to go and they're going to go into the two worst places possible. And that's that's what this deck does extremely well. So uh, I 2-0'd Scott. Didn't really run into anything I don't remember specifically about that game that was very interesting. I don't remember Scott flipping particularly well in his, I know he had one attack where he like threw up four whites like, and I was like, uh, that, that stinks, you know, like he, in a deck that's looking to, to KO, I will say that he had a turn one on game two where he almost one shot a blaster yeah he did thirteen damage to blaster turn well, one
1: battlefield legend's a hell of a card he
0: is and <laughs> and so I mean you know one more point of damage and and I probably lose game two and it goes to game three that's that's what that really turns into because at that stage of the game, I still have two bots underneath blaster
1: if blaster dies before you deploy all your guys, you're, you're just, way down you're done. because then you're done. you're like playing too wide but you're only like <laughs> my other one's a fire
0: drive at that point just right. so you're just clear. you're yeah.
1: like fifteen stars and so of
0: 15 stars so get through round one round two I get paired up against a bugs player. I know this is a coin flip game I know that if in in most games you have the advantage of going first as being your your decider on who's gonna probably win so if you win the dice roll you've got a pretty good shot of taking the match Uh, I won the dice roll so I was feeling pretty confident going in and game one was just if, if things could go wrong for me in game one that was the game that they went wrong for me and that was just simply no, no discredit to my opponent. He played tight. He played exactly the way he was supposed to play. It was just I flip blaster into improvised shield on my first turn, which is the worst hit I can get there. Mm-hmm. Almost everything else does something of meaning, but improvised shield does nothing for me in this deck. Like for that, it, except the orange, the double orange is so important. So the blaster flip improvised Improvise shield is the only miss really in the deck. So right. I miss. Not the end of the world to miss, but it does put you really far behind. I did not play a force field that entire first game. Could not get one into my hand.
1: Yeah, force field is is like...
0: And I, I a- confidence twice, to be clear, and treasure hunted once in that game. Yeah. I just couldn't... Like, I missed force field on my treasure hunt by one card. That's how close this was.
1: Force field is really, really good in the blaster deck. Just because of the ram horn. That's and it's right. even just better against bugs because it's so, just one of the best cards against bugs. So I just
0: ended up in a scenario where, I, you know, things were not going right for me game one. Like the, the deck just didn't do what it normally does when you're on the initiative and it cost me the game. That's no problem. So we go into game two. I take the play again because I, I I know I have to be on the play. I know I'm going to have to earn one now the hard way, but I can still I, I should take the second one and t- force it to game three. And And that's exactly what happened in game two. Game two, I come out of the gate. Opening turn, I flip my blaster into a reckless charge on Fire Drive. I attack with Fire Drive, and I live magical Christmas land and hit a white in that. And I end up doing ten damage to a Scrapnel and KOing Scrapnel turn one. Anytime you can KO Bugs Scrapnel turn one, you have a much easier path.
1: Yeah, I hear that like killing a bot on the first attack is pretty good.
0: Yeah. But Scrapnel's I'm, an especially high level good analysis. one. analysis? Yeah. <laughs> but Scrapnel's an especially good one to kill on first turn.
1: Yeah, if you can get the Scrapnel before he flips, and, like... And
0: playing against bugs, you just you have to get to 10 attack to do that. It's very hard to do. And this lineup is not going to do that very easily. I mean, there are a couple of outs for it. Grenade Launcher and Reckless Charge. And if I wouldn't have hit that card, I would have probably gone at Kickback. Because it's still 10 damage, but at least it puts Kickback at a, at a point where it's smaller. My mistake... I I made two mistakes. One, going into game three, I should have sided my zaps in. I didn't right, do it. Right, they're
1: very good against scrap ball. Yeah,
0: yeah, I should have sided them in. I didn't do it. I felt really good after game two. I felt like I could handle game three. And I should have sided the zaps in. And I didn't do it. And and that's a mistake on my side that I, I would go back and in retrospect, I'd side zaps in. Number two was i was doing some math on the off like the way it was working out the way the game was working out i had a three health remaining fire drive in play and all my other bots were at this point untouched uh fire drive and i was looking at it going if i peace through tyranny here i give him the wheel but if i one shall stand one shall fall i don't give him the wheel is what i thought in my brain And I miscalculated and I gave him the wheel by doing the one shall stand, one shall fall instead of forcing him to kill fire drive outright. And I should have just left my one shall stand, one shall fall for later. Ultimately, if I wouldn't have given him the wheel, I I don't think I'd have lost the game. That's, that's
1: right. When you get to untap and attack right away, like that makes a big difference. so. So,
0: so that was something those, those are two play mistakes I made. One was a sideboarding mistake. The other was an actual play mistake. And they, they ultimately cost me my tournament because with seven players, I only could lose one. My last round I was against a guy that's already pre-qualified, a super cool guy. He had pre-qualified at Gen Con with AerialBots, placed top eight at AerialBots Mike. And he was playing a version of Lionizer. It's called Lion on the Prowl. And it had Prowl Military Strategies, Prowl Sentinel Prowl. It had RC and it had Lionizer. Four wide. Kind of a... a Poor man's version of the four white cars, car C deck, and very cool deck. I I just game one drew like gangbusters, like I think my blaster attack when it actually went to attack flipped for sixteen on his on his sentinel prowl and that was just kind of that was it. Yeah,
1: well that's that's too many, but you still you got him. <laughs> well yeah, right. But I mean I didn't mean
0: to do it that way. It's just right, the way it yeah, came yeah, out, yeah. right? So. Yeah, so, I mean, that was my tournament in a hole. I ended up placing third because of my loss. The player, the Bugs player I lost to was the new player. He'd been playing for three weeks. He placed second, and he lost to a four white cars, a car C deck.
1: Yep. Which, that, that car C deck is, like, just very good against Bugs. So Yep,
0: yep. it makes sense. I was really ecstatic because I was hoping I was going to line up against the four white cars because I felt like I was on a similar plane with them where I could probably pull some, some wins just off right, the, 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 sneak the biggest thing feelings.
1: the four wide cars does that the bugs doesn't is like the draw power right, right. and blaster well I don't think is quite as good at that as cliff jumper he he does make up for that some with the the blaster flips
0: that's right and the fuel communicator play like it just gives you that extra card advantage yeah. so I, I think I actually play more I can play more cards than the four wide car C deck so like I feel like that's a possibility. But anyway, so let's let's talk a little bit about this, some of the things that are going on on energy on Invitationals and some of I, I, the, like, well, how, like, man, this kind of stinks. Because now we're in a situation where in our local area, we're struggling to find Invitationals. Right, so
1: we're, I'm going to stop the bus and gripe down here for a minute. I To preface this, I really do like this game. And obviously, like, we're making a podcast about it. I love to talk about it. I love to play it. There's just a couple things right now that are, I don't know, leaving a bad taste in my mouth. And like you said, it's just the availability of these invitations. Like I want to qualify. And I mean, I was on vacation for the one that was in town. Like that sucks. Yeah, of course. I went to the annual pass holder preview of Galaxy's Edge in Disney World.
0: How dare you go fly Millennium Falcons over playing Transformers, man.
1: Right. So if I could schedule my vacation any other time, I would have and I would have come home and I would have played the Invitational and beaten you and then won the tournament. But <laughs> I <didn't see. laughs> No, I but because my vacation was scheduled around this day that was like only one day, I'm going to take this over my Invitational and I, so maybe take this to a grain of salt because I could have made the decision to stay but coming from Wizards of the Coast, which is a tournament organizer that I'm very familiar with. I have been a tournament organizer. I have been a magic judge. I have played in many, many organized magic tournaments. I know how it works and they do a great job. They really do. They're It's the best professional card game tournament tour that exists right now. Like, and it has for 15 years. I completely agree. And so it boggles my mind that there's not just like a list somewhere that just has all the invitationals on it
0: yeah i i totally agree with this so here to kind of give you a preface like when i didn't qualify and i'm going okay well neil and i both want to qualify i'm like okay well we got to definitely at least find a second qualifier right because there's no way but we can both qualify at the next tournament we're going to both attend together and I'm all about this game from a camaraderie perspective I mean I'm, I'm just going to go play and have fun and I hope that I win I hope you win between the two of us I hope one of us wins right I, I'm totally cool with that I wanted to find the second one locally and there just isn't one like we don't like we have a bunch of WPN stores in the area I mean Omaha has six of them there's only one actually running one of these and they have to be ran before the September 30th in order to make the qualifier which is also means that there was like a time window on all of this sort of thing happening right like there was this this narrow time window which i get but it it really did make it a situation where the only way you could really adequately qualify was to go grind gen con and go grind into origins
1: right that that is how i feel i i mean i'm sure that there's some place like if you live in chicago or you live in new york or whatever like big towns have lots of stores they have lots of opportunities or you live in an area like that that has a lot of local stores like like you said we hobby town our local store in lincoln is wpn store and, and they're they, platinum they, store they ran one and there's six in omaha who knows how many there's in kansas city but we have found two two there's one in omaha right that on a separate gripe has a weird format yeah and there's one in kansas city that we're gonna go to that i'm excited to go to but we had to work to find it like yeah like, I'm not asking stores to do the tournaments because if they don't want to, that's fine. It's their store. If they don't have the population, they can't support it. Like, all that stuff is fine at a store level. But for Christ's sakes, like, I just want to be able to, like, go to Wizards and just have a list.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it would be nice. Like, Wizards like they have could come to register. Out of, right. Yeah. So, so there's a couple of things that I want to preface. One, Wizards for Energon Invitationals force stores to run a specific format. Number one. I think that's a major right, flaw. I'll, in this. I'll talk
1: about that in a minute. <laughs> uh, number
0: two, I think and those it doesn't have to be a specific format like one of, just to be clear. It could be draft. I'm I'm okay with it being a but it needs to be a sanctioned format from Wizards. It doesn't need to be some sort of concoction the store owner has come up with as a as a way for that. And I'm not knocking store owners that want to do it this way, because again, their shops, they run them the way they want to. But at the end of the day, there needs to also be a database of stores by location, by state that I can look at and say, okay, well, that's within five hours of us or that's within three hours of us. Let's make that
1: trip. Right. And so it it just it bothers me that that's not there. Like, like, I don't I don't want to force stores close to me to do the tournaments. Like, I'm very happy that we know the guys at Hobby Town and they want to support us. Like that's wonderful. Right. Shout out to them. But like I would, you know, I will go to Dan and ask and be like, "Hey, will you run this tournament for us?" I'm not going to be like, "You have to run it here. We need one in Omaha right. too. Yeah, yeah. We need like all these so that I can qualify." I don't want that. But I just want to be able to know where and when I can go to attempt it. And like we, you were calling stores. Like <laughs> I, I did.
0: I called all of the central Nebraska stores that are
1: WPN stores. Which are within
0: three hours of us.
1: And and they just like don't even know. And I don't know that that's their fault. Like,
0: <laughs> No, no. They were like, yeah, we've been talking about it. But I'm like, you really can't talk about it any longer. Because you've got now from the time of this recording. Okay. By the time this goes out to live, it'll be even less. But And
1: if it was days. a thing where they said like, okay, you're allowed to run one. And then at, by September 30th, send us the results. That would be different. But they have to sign up beforehand to like tell Wizards they're going to do it. And if Wizards knows, why isn't it written somewhere? I mean, right. it's, and, it bothers me. And I, to be fair, I, I mean,
0: so I, it's been a long time since I played Magic, but I did come from playing some FFG games kind of competitively up to this before this. And in those FFG games, I mean, when they had store championships and when they had regional championships, they were published on a website. Right. It's not, it's, this is not rocket science and it doesn't and, have to be a fancy and list. And Wizards
1: already knows how to do it because they just have the best tournament reporting of any game. Exactly. In it, Magic the Gathering.
0: Exactly. They, they, and they're using the same system. Yeah. I mean, we're we're not even we're not even using a different system. They're using the DCI numbers. They're using the DCI tournament reporting software. They're using all of that. So why are we why are we playing second fiddle to the things like when the tournaments are and what's going and,
1: on? And I don't expect them to like write the articles and do the no, internet coverage and do all that stuff because this tournament's small. Like obviously you had seven people at yours. Right. And so I'm not asking for all the pomp and circumstance. I don't even care about the prizes, really. I just want to know where it is and when it is. Agreed. And I don't think that's too much.
0: I, I think it's 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 so simple. It was just a it was just like kind of an oversight. And my guess is that by this time next year, when we're doing invitationals for PAX next year, if they continue this this plan, that we will see a much more robust and longer qualifier season. Number one, number two, I think we'll see. Uh, a lot clearer reporting. I, I think right. a, I, mean, I I think that's just there, the natural state of the game.
1: There was a time in my tournament grinding career that we just like went to ten PTQs every season. Like right. we drove eight hours, drove thirteen hours. Like that's that's not something like I'm I'm willing to do that for this game. I just need to know where to go. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, like I I know Denver has a really strong community that's where jamie from powered by primus is he's he's talked about it on multiple occasions he just had a podcast with vector sigma last week and he's talking about three or four stores they're playing transformers three or four times a week in denver right now like so there's i go to denver i would too if i knew when their energon invitationals were yeah and that's the point
1: right like right so that's 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 my gripe i like you said a, a little bit ago here like our local store well our local ish store the one of the ones in omaha that's running it uh, is having their own wacky format which uh, if you're into that stuff that's great i i mean i would play wacky format all day in casual but like i would like it to be somewhat like uniform to when we're qualifying for large tournaments like if they want this to be a real tournament season it kind of needs to be that way like for magic they would have seasons where it'd be like well this is standard season and this is draft season right and this is sealed season like and so I I wish it was uniform. I mean, it's not. I, they want to run their tournament that way. That's fine. We're going to go to Kansas City instead. They're on the same day.
0: Unfortunately, that's the other side um, of it too because the stores can't even look at what's going on around them to even know. Right. What.
1: So you can't schedule. Like like what would have happened if Hobby Town and Omaha scheduled them the same day? Yeah. Like we, we'd, have it would've not, would've, we'd have probably we'd have not, not had tournaments the community. in either
0: place. Exactly. So there just needs to be a little bit more clarity and communication, I think, from Wizards on this. And and again, we love the game, obviously, and, and we're very passionate about it and we're very much wanting to be competitive players
1: in it. So along, help us be competitive yeah, players in it. Along that line, my additional gripe, my one additional gripe is we still do not have a real rule book. Yeah, that, and that's I, a, good, it's a good gripe. know that I am like probably the minority here because I don't know how many people that have played Magic the Gathering I actually read the comprehensive rules, but... I was a little too magic judge. And also, I just, you know, enjoy puzzles. So, I read the comprehensive rules. Like, not front to back, but I have read every section of it over the course of my career to understand the game better. And I want that for Transformers. Like, it seems like every week when you and I are playing or Matt or any of the guys, like, like something happens. We're like, what the hell happens here? Right. And it's, it's not any of the things that are covered in rules roundup. Like, That's right. Like, it's like... It's like it's what not in order the FAQs like me. if I if I play a brainstorm and I play two quartermasters and move my cog twice, and then I put six equipment in that all have come to play triggers, what order they happen in? Like that kind of stuff. Because there's right. no stack in this game. At right. least I haven't said that there is. There it, isn't. If it worked like magic and they had a stack, it would be very easy to understand the timing of those things. But you can't As a magic
0: player would be. For somebody that's not a magic player, it could be really hard. That's but, true. Yeah,
1: if you don't have a background in in magic And you would have no idea what the timing is. Like, it's just, they're just out there. They just float and do weird stuff. Well, they
0: they have some inconsistent FAQ rulings, too, to be clear. So, like, I I don't want to get on too far, too deep down this rabbit hole. But, I mean, a good example of this, just so everybody's aware, and I've actually messaged Watsy. Maybe they'll listen to this podcast and maybe they'll get back to us. But I have sent him a rules request in when does when attack triggers and when does when
1: defend triggers right this was one of the ones i wanted to bring up because this was a game that you and i were playing right it was a limited game and you had a fire drive yep in weapon mode correct Uh, i don't whatever dumb long ion particle blaster
0: beam of death
1: nonsense 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 gun and i had a point defense system no.
0: Yeah, you had an emergency point defense system on is your... Is that
1: what it's called? Uh-huh. It's a crappy force field that only triggers half the time. Right. This is a card that I was not happy to be playing in my limited deck. <laughs> so, don't, don't just come at me and tell me how bad I am. But we're in a situation where you had the fire drive on your guy. and You were attacking my guy that had the... Like, half the time takes no damage. And I had a secret action that was... Gives my guy's plus one defense. So I wanted to like the way that I wanted it to work obviously is I wanted you to have to commit how many cards you're going to discard to your fire drive before I decided right. if I wanted to flip my secret action and I don't know if you can. I don't I don't know either. I don't know what the steps are. We
0: don't we don't know at this stage we still don't know because the rules are unclear when those triggers actually right. occur.
1: You don't know if like for instance you don't know if the attacker becomes an attacker like
0: so, when you read the before rules... It becomes
1: a def- before my guy becomes a defender and it right. just... Like, obviously, you have to choose your attacker before uh, you choose a defender because they make that distinction on the card hiding spot. Correct. But we don't know exactly when the windows are for That's how right. those things work because so. if the attacker and defender triggers happen at the same time, do we both have to make decisions? And it just...
0: So, for our listeners to be clear, the the rules we did reference the rules. I mean, it's not like we just said, "Oh, I don't know." It, we literally went into the rule book inside the app, which is the most up to date rule book. We looked at it. It says declare attacker. It, it says it doesn't say declare. It says choose an attacker, choose a defender, flip battle cards. That is it.
1: Right. And. Like, we don't know don't, when
0: that person becomes an attacker.
1: Right. I don't I don't have any illusions about like, I would never get to see the battle cards before I decide to flip my secret action. I understand that. But I may or may not get to see how many cards you discard to fire drive. And and that's important. Right. Absolutely. I have an idea of how many battle cards I could hit on my defense and an idea of how many you could hit on your offense from our games. Right. And that will greatly affect whether or not I take zero damage on your attack. Or, or die. it even or not. And right, that was the last attack of the game. Yep. So I just... I'm not asking anybody to come tell me the answer to this because I don't need that. What I need is a comprehensive rule book so I can go look it up. Right. That's what I'm asking for.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think you're alone in that. And as we get into more serious competitive play, I think this becomes more painfully obvious and, and needed as this game progresses. As we right. get I'm, more cards, as we get more. They seem to have an idea of it, from my opinion, just on based on their card design. Right? They've got this idea of how these cards are going to operate. Right.
1: I, I would hope that they're making a game with the assumption that the rules exist.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 they, they clearly have something in place here. I just don't know what the we, as a player base, don't necessarily know. And we have to try to glean that information by interpreting multiple and, rules roundups to do that.
1: Right, and they do a lot of good... Like, the rules roundups are 50-50. Like, some of them are good questions with good answers, and then some of them are like just obvious stuff that they feel obligated to answer correct and i think that's fine i think that you should cater to every level of player that's asking your questions absolutely but they're not catering to me and i'm a very selfish person and i think it's very important <laughs> that they cater to me
0: but Sorry, I, hope that
1: I hope that i'm not alone no uh, i don't think you are so
0: you're certainly not alone in this room because the two of us are sitting here going, "Right, we want to play at a local level. We're being leaned on by and- our store to be the, considered the the knowledge experts for the game for rulings because our our local stores don't have we don't well, there's not a judge program yet, so we don't have a local store that offers right. a judge up, right? So at that point, they're saying, "Hey, you guys know the most about this game. You stay in touch with it the most. You're going to handle any rules disputes that come up." during casual play and during casual play nobody cares like you and i both sat there and said well, like let's just do it this way and just
1: right we finished the game and then we discussed it yeah and because i i think it's important like i i don't want a rules lawyer or anybody i don't want to have this comprehensive rules so i can go to some tournament someplace and play against the guy that's three weeks old and be like no it works this way but i'm not going to tell you till after so you make the misplay. i don't want that like right. i think that's bad yes but It's terrible for the game i want to be able to answer the questions that i have on my own time and I don't want to have to go to a Facebook group where like sixty people comment, and half of them say one thing and half of them say another, and exactly. none of them are Watsy employees, so I don't even know what's right. Like it goes back to there's just too much interpretation, right? And and at at the beginner level, like you know that's fine. I I like having the learn to play document. I think that makes intro to the game way smoother and i know that they want this game to feel more fun and casual than most but if they're going to hold these big tournaments and they're going to have organized play they need to have these other things to support it and that's that's those are my gripes i
0: 110 are on board with you we have stopped at the gripe stop we're ready to put it back in gear but we're going to get to the end of the bus stop also i am
1: griping that there's not a megatron good enough to win my bet
0: but but... i'm not (laughs) all right so Let's uh, let's kind of wrap things up. Obviously, a lot to digest in today's episode.
1: Hopefully, all good things. I think all good. I, I
0: don't <laughs> think when when we're ranting, we're ranting from a place of love. Like, I don't think we're ranting from a place of just griping to
1: gripe. I solely rant from a place of hate. Oh, well. All right. So,
0: I don't know. I'm going to have, I'm gonna have to get Neil some therapy or something. I, I, no, I supposed I to agree. be well
1: rested I, at this point. I, I totally agree. Like, I, I like the game. The only reason I want the comprehensive rules is because I like the game. Like, I like to think about the, like, weird scenarios where, like, what happens when you have a force field and the bad halftime take zero damage force field on your Dreadwing and you get attacked for six. Does anyone know. know? I don't think they both say They both say instead, which would reply a replacement, but do you get to choose which one you yeah, do so or they, do you they just they sack them both? A,
0: they did rule on a double force field once. I'd have to go back and find that old rules roundup for double force field. Like, I forget like where that scenario came up as somebody's talking about, like if this thing and this thing happens, would it replace my force field? But I, that might've been actually a ruling on if Grimlock rolled the damage over and it did five damage to the second bot, would it trigger force field on the second bot? Yeah. Like, like it, it, there's, it's, there's a lot of those weird scenarios well, that the, occur where like the way the rulings have worked out sometimes you just don't know. And, and so again, we're just asking, the, the, an FAQ is great, and I think an FAQ still needs to consent can be considered just like they have oracles for for magic. Absolutely, right?
1: the, the FAQ is very helpful. I
0: agreed. Um, but they just need to have a. They need to have the published rule set that they're using in development. They need that rule set public so that we as players can make interpretations when things come up, and then now you eliminate i think a lot of the faq questions that you were talking about from a from an entry level perspective because the faq rule set makes it very clear how that like that rule set makes it very
1: clear how right things are and operating. and there can still be rules roundup like like people that don't want to delve into the comprehensive rules i don't think they should have to like right. they should be competent enough to play the game at a level that allows them to operate in a tournament setting if they're going to that tournament which if you're playing casual is not very high no like but no. if you're but, if you want to find the comprehensive rules, I think you should be able to. If you want to go to rules roundup, I think you should be able to. Like they're obviously doing a great job with that, at catering to players of all levels. And there's always going to be creators like the Wasi, not not Watsy, the, the Wasi, who yeah. Ross. who covers the the roundups and does a good job. And you know that that information is important to be out there for the players that don't want to digest the 600 page rulebook. And to I do, be clear, I don't
0: even think this thing needs a 600
1: page rulebook like agreed I, that, I
0: I think it's you know i mean like magic has blown up into that right but but at the end well, of the magic day, has
1: like 1200 pages yeah but. whatever yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's beyond but we don't have 20 years of cards exactly and we don't have the the priority system where we both do stuff on each other's turns kind of thing like magic does so it's much simpler and so it doesn't have to be long i just want it to be precise yeah and i just like i want to be able to reference a document without having to search a Facebook group. Yeah.
0: And I just want some clarity on, for me, I want some clarity on when, when attacking triggers or when this attacks, like they use different terminology, which seems to imply different timing, but it may not be, it may be the same timing. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but at the end of the day, there's also, there's also, you know, just this idea of like, when does it actually happen? Does it, I mean, obviously it happens before flipping, but does it happen like, like we were saying, like when this attacks, does that trigger before a character is chosen as a defender? So does that happen then, even if the defender gets nullified in some way? You know, there's there's a lot of questions that come up from this that I think entry level players will never think about.
1: But when and, you and in 99% of games don't have to. That's right. But it happens. That's like, right. It it happened in a real game. This isn't like me brainstorming weird stuff. Like the it, happened, thing. In like, game, it yeah. happened in a real game. So yep. I don't know i that's that's where we're at. I, I i think we beat this dead horse to a pulp it's but i i think we just backed the bus up over yeah, it and just, ran over it again like a bunch of times <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, yeah i but if you guys agree with me please let me know give us some thumbs up or like us on the facebook group send me some comments about this tell, tell me if you think i'm just a raving idiot We'll block you, but you can tell me once. <laughs>
0: Neil's having a rough day, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I,
1: <laughs> All right. No, well, I, please, I, think, I think we're good. I'm very happy to discuss anything with you guys on the Facebook group if you want. Um, yeah.
0: And I mean, I, I also want to see, you know, we, we want to talk about your decks a little bit and see what you're building and brewing. We want to see that sort of thing. And if we see something interesting, it may make it on the show to talk about. Yeah, uh, obviously we hope that we'll start getting some spoilers between now and this next episode. But oh god, it, it back, seems we like, might
1: have to back up to gripe Town next week for that stuff. <laughs> yeah, if we get if like, we get into episode, they just like tickled me with the the, the tripticon high rod and rat bat, and yeah. and then it was just radio silence <laughs> <laughs> like like deafening <laughs> silence
0: it's not quiet silence it's yeah. deafening silence all right well uh this is going to be the bus stop for the end of the day so i think we're going to call it good we want to thank you for tuning in and listening now we know there's a lot of choices for content to consume so we're happy you're here with us and uh, again uh, if you want to join in on the conversation and talk to us offline follow us on twitter like us on facebook uh, join the Facebook group and chat with us. We we want to talk. I mean, that's what we're here for. And um, obviously, we like to talk. <laughs> we're we're definitely full of hot air. But all right, so we'll see you all in the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys.